Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Goddess Glow podcast. Today, I have my really good friend, DJ Ooch. This is the second time I've had him on, and, you know, the journey never stops. And I'm so happy to have DJ DJ Ooch here again. He is the owner of Your Stocks Now. He's the financial educator, right? <laughs> he also has financial education and... You know, he is just really killing it with like the content that he's creating and all these people that I see that you're helping right now with financial literacy and in the stock market. And just like I watch your page and it's booming. Yeah, I appreciate that, Ray. It's been amazing. The last time I was here with you was about a year ago. Yeah. And to see what's happened in the all the shifts that have happened over the last year have been amazing. We were at a handful of students when we talked last and now we're over 55 students and looking to grow from here and the life change. I mean, one of our students, since we last spoke, he bought a house for his parents with what he learned in our academy at yourstocksnow.com. We also had students who knew nothing about the markets, literally zero about the markets, who are up hundreds of percent on each crypto position that they've acquired. We also have students who are up tens of percent on different stock positions. Some students are coming in and after a week, they're finding fast and quick success and great success. And the fact that we're able to make this simple and easy for people to understand because the markets are easy ultimately. And it's something that eludes many people because when you hear funny terms and you hear a whole new language, you tend to go into shutdown because you say, I don't understand what you're saying. And what we like to do at yourstocksnow.com is educate you so that these terms are easy and simple because they are easy and simple. If you sit in front of the TV and you know nothing about football and you watch ESPN or Sky Sports, you'll be lost. You'll be like, I have no idea who these people are. I have no idea what they're talking about. After about a month, you'll understand football. You have a great idea about who the people are, what the rules are in that. Same with Real Housewives, because I always say that the markets are as easy as football or Real Housewives. You sit in front of the, the TV and watch uh, Bravo or another channel around the world and watch the Real Housewives of any city, Atlanta, Dubai, Beverly Hills, and you don't know who they are, you'll be lost. I know this because I've sat in front of a reunion or two and I'm like, I have no idea what they're talking about. But that said, if you sit in kind of binge a little bit or just watch from week to week, you'll know who the characters are. You'll know exactly what they're talking about. And the same things goes for the markets. Stuff is not hard. It's just about something to pay attention to. And we're glad that our students are grasping this and getting amazing success. Yeah. I just remember how much of a learning curve it was for me. And that's what it is. It's a learning curve and it's a big learning curve. I feel like people don't understand that initially. And that's what makes the hesitancy of learning. However, you can learn anything if you choose to, you know, if you put the work in and just talking to your students and, you know, some of your students are, they're friends of mine and they've told me that it helps like your, the courses that you're going through, like it helps as long as they show up. Absolutely. And what we like to do is show up for them as well. We've acquired a success manager since we've spoken last. It's been an amazing year of growth and there's a lot of personal touches that we have now too. So you have sometimes, you ever, you ever have a personal trainer ever? I've had coaches, okay. never like a, never a fitness trainer. 
So sometimes with your coaches, we love our coaches and everything that they instill. However, sometimes we hide from our personal trainers. We hide from our coaches because we want to do what's right and we don't want to disappoint them. And we know that we're not on our square. So that's the beauty of what we do. Sometimes it's easy to enroll or join programs and get excited and then kind of forget that they exist, forgot that you bought them to begin with. We show up for you on a regular basis. In fact, Victoria, who is a friend of you and now I, she is a great student in our academy. She's had great success learning about the crypto markets. And we were just messaging earlier. There's a big Zoom that we're going to be doing for our students tomorrow with a healer, an energy healer who's a business intuitive. Amazing. It's something really special that we're providing. And Victoria was saying, you know, there's a lot of things happening right now. I don't know if I'm going to make the Zoom. And thank you for continuing to show up for me. And that ultimately is what's important in a coach, in someone who's looking after you to help you in your journey towards success. And I'm glad that we get to do that too. Yeah, I think that's what I appreciate about you too. Because just in our conversations when we're speaking is you put a lot of thought into the people that are in your courses. It's not so much, uh, even from this, the very first touch, you know, the very first reach out is your mission is to help people. Your mission is to help people become like financial literate and to, you know, have this opportunity that not a lot of people um, will like grasp onto because maybe they interact with the wrong person or, and you just want to help people. And that's why you really think about, um, you put a lot of thought into your products. You put a lot of thought into your systems that you've implemented into your business. And, um, that's just, it's so awesome. Just how, uh, how you do that for your students. It's amazing that I get to do that. It's a huge get to that. That's, uh, what we're doing. And we talked about vulnerability a little bit before we got started here. I'll be honest. I have a people-pleasing mechanism that I'm continuing to work on through my codependency. As we've talked before, uh, Ray, obviously we've known each other. I'm in my 18th month of sobriety from drugs and alcohol addiction. Which Congratulations. Is yes. I appreciate that. And from my time in recovery, what I've uncovered through doing the work and doing an inventory is that I have a lot of energy around codependency. And I'm sure that some of your listeners, some of your viewers can resonate with that. And that level of codependency and people pleasing, it served me in my life. So it's not all been bad. Where it's been really good is that, yeah, I do show up for people. Uh, sometimes I'll show up for people at my peril. <laughs> I mean, I'll show up for people almost too much. And, and they say when you're on the airplane, when the mask come down, put it on yourself first before you put it on your loved one. So it has benefited me to a large degree. I have a huge heart for people ultimately. And uh, the beauty of my journey now in recovery is finding that balance because there have been people who I've come across who they were interested in coming to our academy. And have you ever had someone who just continued to ask, 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 and you felt like you were not really getting much back? Ask? Oh, yeah. Oh, like taking, 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 taking. Yes. Yeah. And I think for those of your listeners and, and viewers who have that kind of 
people-pleasing mechanism, I feel people, they have an antenna for those people. So they're like, ooh, I can ask you for everything. You're never going to ask me for anything back. And I can just take, 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 take. And I've had that happen in the course of building our academy. And, and here's the thing, I want to help. The fortunate thing about my recovery, though, is that now I have established healthy boundaries so that I'm not giving away the farm to people who don't have the same level of win-win that I do. Because ultimately, when you come in as a student, I want to give you the world so that you can have the world for yourself, so you can give the world to your family. Because the wealthy and well-connected have known for a long time that the markets are something that you teach your young ones, teach you, obviously, your uh, mother to Lenin, teach your young ones, teach the next generation, they'll teach their next generation. And that's how they've managed to acquire power and wealth and maintain it. That's what we're looking to do in our academy is teach people how to acquire wealth through the markets and be able to give that to the next generation. And I'm really in a super fortunate place that I get to be this loving giver uh, without getting gotten, so to speak. Yeah. And that is so important as even just, you know, a heart-centered entrepreneur and that sort of advice to anyone out there, you know, creating something now is like having that balance of, because people will take advantage of you. They, you know, you give them an inch, they'll take a mile if you allow them and, you know, putting those boundaries in. And I think for me, one of the things that I've noticed is like, once I put these boundaries in, then I stop attracting clients who are like of that, like needy energy. And then also, I think maybe this might resonate with you is receiving that sort of like validation is like, Oh, like this person, you know, they keep coming to me because they're, and they're asking me all these questions and all this advice and like me giving it to them is like going to sort of validate me in some sort of way. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And so have you noticed like anything else like along your journey that might, you know, help other people in setting those boundaries? Like what sort of like specific boundaries have you been able to implement for yourself? Great question. I was talking with my girlfriend about this actually this week because she has that same kind of people pleasing mechanism too, which ultimately we all do. We want to be liked. (laughs) This is just how the human condition works. The idea is about maintaining it so that you're not giving all of yourself while getting absolutely nothing back 100% of the time because you have a lot of people out there who do that. They just literally will say yes to everyone even when they don't want to and they silently resent it and they take the revenge out on themselves through drugs and alcohol, through uh, eating miserably, through uh, gambling, sex addiction, uh, addiction to many things that don't serve them, or just simple depression of just staying home and tucking themselves under the covers um, until that next phone call comes and they say yes, because they feel that they have to say yes, it's not even a want to. So it's very, very important that you maintain those boundaries. How exactly do you do that? I know that it's a check-in for me. With my recovery and my 18 months of sobriety, what I've done in Celebrate Recovery now, because Celebrate Recovery, I think they said 75% of the people who attend, they're not there for drug and alcohol addiction. They're there for codependency. They're there for anger. They're there for food issues. They're there for other things that have nothing to do with drugs and alcohol. And from uncovering the codependency, now I go and I accept a chip because there's a thing called chip night that celebrates your recovery. So every month 
they'll celebrate those who have 30 days of sobriety in whichever lane that they've chosen to express that 60 days, 90 days, uh, I think then it goes up to six months, I believe. And then from six months, it goes to nine months and then a year, two to five years, six to 10 years, 20 to life kind of things like that. And there are people there who they have sobriety for 35, 40 years. It's amazing to watch and they go out there and they get their chip. I accept a chip now for codependency. I've decided to give my codependency to God and say, I'm a blessed believer in Jesus Christ. I'm in recovery for drugs and alcohol, and I'm working on codependency. And it's something now that I say it, I can take that responsibility of being in the driver's seat rather than having life happen to me. And my check-in to know that I'm on track is really asking myself, do I want to do this? Whatever I'm being asked, do I really want to do this? And if the answer is no, then I'll check in, well, what can I do to compromise perhaps? And then I'll find exactly where that compromise lands, what feels good for me. And then I'll express, hey, would you like to do this instead? And if the person's not willing to compromise, oftentimes what will happen is, because there's a difference between not willing to compromise and not able to compromise. Sometimes you're just not able to, and that's okay. There's a difference though, someone who's not willing, they say, well, I really wanna do this, the end. And that's when I'll say, well, that's not possible for me. And I'm sorry, we're not able to do this. And I look forward to when we're able to actually connect and do something comparable. And what I found, Ray, kind of like your example of how, when you establish these boundaries, the energy space that you give out tends to repel those people who are just takers from you. What ends up happening is I see these people go into gyrations. Oh, oh, I can't, you, you know, that kind of <laughs> starts to happen. And I realize, oh, you've turned into the Tasmania devil. Okay, then it's clear that you're not someone who I really want to have around my space. Not because I think you're a bad person. It's just the energy that you are placed in, the energy space that you're in is not of someone who is okay with my celebration of working on my codependency and me claiming victory over it or in the process of claiming victory over it. You're in a different space. You're looking for someone who's just going to say yes to everything that you want, or at least in this case, that person happens to be me. My check-in is simple. It's just, do I really want to do this? Mm -hmm. Really? Because what I used to tell myself is, Oh, I can do it. It's no big deal. I can figure out how to figure it out or, oh, it's just, it's just this thing or oh, I really want to do it, even though this, this and this will happen to me. I really want to do it and I guess I'll figure it out later. All those things were me silently really wanting to show up and people pleased and uh, having that boundary of just being okay with hearing no. Being okay with people going, <laughs> being okay with the outcome has, uh, that's really what it's been for me. It, that's been the boundary of just, do I want to do this? There's an amazing book I'm reading currently called Outwitting the Devil, which is yes. absolutely phenomenal. I'm not able to suggest it enough. And they talk about the drift a lot. And someone who's a drifter, someone who just kind of, they don't have their square firmly planted there it's there are people who it's very easy to enroll them into doing just about anything mm -hmm. and 
being that drifter in the book, it makes you more susceptible to the devil's whims rather than the whims of God or your higher source, your higher power. And I'm looking to be that concrete statue moving forward rather than a tumbleweed, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. I, um, okay, I really love this because, you know, I was going to ask you too, like how, for someone who's just beginning to implement boundaries, it's a journey and you have to become aware of that you're doing it in the first place. And when you're not, I think for me in my instance, anyway, when I wasn't grounded in like my, my purpose, my mission, my, like my, even my intentions for the day, even if just starting out for like, these are my intentions for the day, I would find that I'd be pulled this way and then I'd be pulled this way and then that way. And, you know, as a mom to Lenin, like I just found myself like going every which way and then my stuff wouldn't get done. And I guess I wanted to ask you is, was it scary for you to start implementing these sort of boundaries with whomever in your life? Cause I must, it, cause it's one way you do, you know, in your business, you're going to do that everywhere else in every other area of your life. Was it scary for you? And how did you catch yourself? Like, were there times where you're like, Oh, I did it again. Or just like talking about like that, that process for you initially starting out and setting these boundaries. I would say at first it wasn't scary. And the reason why was a scary reason is because I I hit the wall. There was a point where I didn't have any more to give. Mm, I had had nothing left in me. And that was scary. It was a very sad place to be in. My depression kicked in major at the time. I felt pulled in a million different directions. And it was scary. And I, I said, I'm not doing anything. Mm-hmm. I'm done doing anything for anyone at the moment. And I started to say no. And it felt really good, which is why the scary part about saying no at that point didn't scare me so much. It was a relief. Mm, okay. Because I, I literally had no, I felt I had no more to give. Mm-hmm. Because I was the yes guy to so many. Yeah. Oh, I'll just ask you. Yeah, he'll say yeah. And they were right. When I started to say no, and I really started to put it in stark terms as to why I was saying no, I sent out group messages even and said, hey, my depression is kicking in and I'm taking some me time for self-care, for mental wellness. And the thoughts got dark for me around that time too because not having a well to draw on made me feel empty. Mm-hmm. So at first it wasn't hard at all because it was thankfully my soul stepping up and saying, okay, ego, you can just sit over there for a second. We're going to take controls for a minute because some things need to get worked out. Furthermore, from taking the chip and really giving my codependency to God for me and really fully accepting my codependency, because I had read Codependent No More, which is an amazing book, mm-hmm. about almost about a year and a half ago at this time. And I said, wow, great book. I recognize a lot of these things in me. I must be codependent. 
And have you ever admitted something to yourself? However, it was very superficial. It hadn't really gone into your, your, your bones. Yeah. Because yeah. it didn't fit into like my context. Right. And mm-hmm. that's what it was for me. It was like saying my favorite color is green. It wasn't an identity thing, whereas it is now. And from that true level of surrender and saying, I'm codependent. I can be a yes person. I can be a people pleaser. That was the rock bottom in a good way, mm-hmm. because now I set this foundation of, okay, I know exactly where I'm at. And there's only, the only way is up from here. And now I've always had an easy time saying no when I didn't want to do something. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's never been that I've fully always said yes to literally everyone. The thing for me has always been, I want to be liked. Mm-hmm. And taking that off the table and saying, I'm good enough for me and I love me. And also knowing that if I don't put myself first and I always put everyone before me, then I can get into a really dark place. That was enough for me to say, okay, I'm, I'm good now saying no to people. And it's a practice. And the more I practice it, actually, the easier it becomes. And I've read different books and and trainings on the fact that when you say no to people, they respect you more. Yeah. (laughs) It may not make them happy right then and there. However, they respect you more because they'll start respecting your time and respecting your wishes and respecting your wants and respecting your needs and respecting your desires rather than you being the yes person. Mm -hmm. No one really respects the yes person. They may love you, only they know, well, you know, they're, they're, they don't stand for anything yeah and god bless you if you're someone who is a yes person i'm not saying that to detract from you i'm just saying what the reality is for the perception because if you're never saying no and you're always saying yes then what exactly do you really want mm-hmm. and people and respect I, when they know where you're coming from yeah i you teach people how to treat you i've also um a thought came through. I just like noticed for, you know, people that continually, even for me, like just say yes, yes, yes. It's like that, that energy of, yeah, like blowing in the wind again, or like the tumbleweed that you were saying, like just not being grounded and how much that thinking back to that space. And even now still like, it's, it is a practice. It like, it will come up again. And I always think about like, you know, that, like, why am I doing this again? (laughs) Sometimes like, you know, in the moment I'm like, why am I doing this again? I do not want to be doing this and realizing like the come from like where I'm doing it. Am I being authentic? Am I being my authentic self? Or am I just saying yes to, to do that pleasing, to receive that, you know, that external validation, that I will be for me, I go to anger. I'm like, I'm so angry that I even <laughs> decided to say yes. Like, why did I do this? And just knowing that um, I'm whole and complete just as I am versus, yeah, diving in and just being like, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And it's not, um, I know for people that are uh, like, you that listen to my podcast, they get stuck in that trap. Um, and it's, it's an identity 
they sort of take on um, that identity. And I've noticed too recently is like, I went through sort of like a little like depression mode because it's like, okay, this is my identity. This is like what I do. And like, that's where I got my validation from. And like breaking out of that is like, wow. Like it's, it's like sort of like earth shattering. <laughs> I don't know if you've had the same experience or it sounds like it, like, it's like, you have to, you're being pushed, you know, to create this whole new identity, that whole new like frame for yourself. Um, and I know that you have been on um, your celebrate recovery journey for a while. And have you noticed like the, like, what have you noticed, I guess, from like the beginning to like from the beginning to now, and you're here a year ago and you're here now. And, uh, you know, you've made, you've created such big goals and you've obtained them. And I want to celebrate you in that. And, um, yeah, I would love for you to share more about like where you were and like how it is now for you and then where you're going. Yeah. The beauty of it has been having a community. When I originally got sober, I was white knuckling it in the sense that I was doing it alone. I wasn't for God necessarily. I was doing it for me and it was, it was cool. It was great. Only I didn't really fully accept my addiction. Once I started Celebrate Recovery and I went in really to looking to start another Celebrate Recovery at a church, that's the only reason I went in to take a look and say, oh, well, what's this like? And standing there and hearing the worship music and I started crying I said, oh, well, I'm supposed to be here. This is crazy. And it was very, very scary. The beauty of the journey has been I've inherited this whole family of people who are in recovery for different reasons and great men who love their families, love God, love themselves enough to take themselves on and also are willing to be vulnerable and share their mm -hmm. innermost thoughts. That's been the huge difference for me. I know that a year ago, before I got started in CR, I call it CR for short, I didn't have a lot of situations where I'd be around men exclusively. I would okay. hang around women more so. That was more of my comfort zone. And after doing the men's leadership for PSI, I came out of there saying, I really want to be around men more. And a month later, I ended up at Celebrate Recovery. Be careful what you say, because mm -hmm. you'll get it fast. And now I have an amazing group. And that's been the beauty of every, this last year, really the entire pandemic is that in a time where you've seen so many people get isolated, for me, and we pray for those who feel isolated and have been pushed to the margin in that respect. For me, the journey has been inheriting more of a community. I was trading on my own. I have my mentors who are, have hedge funds in New York City, manage millions of dollars, coaches and that. However, I was in a room when I would do my trading, doing it on my own. Now I have a whole academy of yeah people doing alongside of me and they are becoming smarter than me. One of our students, he's knew nothing about the markets really, specifically with cryptocurrency. He had some cryptocurrency. He just didn't really know up from down. And now he's put out, he's an artist. He's put out his own NFT drop. He's got music wow. out as NFTs. He's been, he's a part of huge projects that 
his assets, I mean, they're sizable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the fact that he's been able to do that, and I've been help, helping in that process is amazing. So that would say that's the hugest difference for me is that inheriting a community so many different ways, whether it be with our students and our academy, whether it be at Celebrate Recovery, whether it be all the work or the work on myself I've done with PSI and the amazing people I've met for, through that, from going to church and meeting people that way. I've been really gaining a lot of amazing people around me and I'm super thankful. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm thankful to have you part of my community, Uch. Yes. <laughs> I always enjoy you know, talking to you and how yeah, just you, you inspire me, you know, and that's why I love having you on the podcast. Cause you inspire me and I'm sure you're out there inspiring everyone that you touch. And, um, I uh, am proud of you too, like where you've come and like how, like even business wise, I would love to talk about like, you know, entrepreneurs, like um, you can go to the first podcast that we did together and you made a goal last year in September, um, of reaching 10 K months. Right. And then, so you hit that like within three months of you setting the goal, 20 K months, Yeah, 20 K months. Oh, 20 K months. Sorry. 20 K months. And, um, so you hit that and now your next goal is a hundred K right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and like knowing you just in how like you've been, you're just, you're going to do it. And I, um, when you set these goals, I just for, you know, people who are out there like setting these goals, like, how is it when you're setting these goals? Are they scary for you? Are they, um, something that, you know, in the back of your mind, like, what are you thinking when you're setting these goals and like why you set them? I love setting goals because they cause me to stretch. Mm-hmm. And as I'm stretching, I'm growing. You're either in growth or decay in this thing called life that we know as life. And I love growing. I love constantly challenging myself. I love learning things. I love seeing what I can do next. It's a game for me. It's what can I do next? What's the next big, beautiful goal I can reach for? When I'm setting those goals, it often is scary, at least in the sense of, well, how am I going to do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the beauty of having goals that are so out of reach is that you stretch, yeah. especially when you take the goals seriously, especially when you keep them in your mind's eye. What I do is I'll have them written down. That's another thing too, for your listeners and for your viewers. If you have a goal, you set a goal, write it down because it's not real until you write it down whether you're doing it with a pen on physical paper or you're putting it on the notes in your phone app, write it down, get it out of your head and into the physical world in some way and watch what happens. For me, I love putting my goals on my wall. 20K months was on the wall, PSI once upon a time, because we were in the same course and class setting goals for the year. And then I put it on the wall in my bedroom. It was a First thing I would see in the morning, last thing I would see when I go to bed and I would see it multiple times throughout the day because it was on my wall. And then it happened. Something I set out to do within the year that felt, yeah, I could do that. However, how am I gonna do it? It happened. And now that 100K is on the wall. 
And the beauty of that is, since that's constantly in my frame of mind, I'm constantly figuring it out. My subconscious is constantly working on it because it's real. It's on my wall and it's there and it's happening. And the beauty of a book like The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle is you realize that time is man-made. It doesn't exist. And when you read that book, he talks about how everything is on the same plane. Everything that has happened and will happen and is happening is all literally the same thing. And that's the beauty of the mind. The mind doesn't know any different. Putting your goals in front of you, specifically written out on your wall, somewhere where you're constantly seeing it, it makes it real. It's happened to me more than once. Some call it the law of attraction. I call it the reticular activating system. To use a scientific term, it's a part of your brain that controls what you focus on. It's the reason why when you get a new car, let's say you get a blue car, a blue Nissan Versa, let's say. As soon as you get that car, you start seeing that car everywhere. Or perhaps you sign up for a new class in something that you've never thought of ever getting involved in. Now, when you're driving on the road or you're walking in the street, you see stores talk about it and you see it everywhere in posters. It's like, was that store there? Is that new? Yeah, it's been there for 10 years. Why have I not noticed it before? Because it wasn't in your context, as you said. And that's the beauty of the reticular activating system and training your, your mind to get the things that you want. Take those goals, write them out, put them on a wall, and you'll get them. Yeah, love it. Well, uh, you know, thank you, Uch, again for being on the Goddess Glow podcast. I highly recommend you guys check out Uch and go to yourstocksnow.com. Um, what else, you know, where else can they find you? What, how do you want um, my listeners to reach out to you? Yourstocksnow.com is the perfect place to do it. You can join our Facebook group there. If you're interested about learning the financial markets, we teach regular working people how to master stock market and crypto so you can make more money. Our students are doing phenomenal and it's been great to see their growth. So yourstocksnow.com, you can join our Facebook group. If you are on Instagram by any chance, you can also find me on Instagram at DJUCH and say hello, say hello, say Ray Sensia. You can also find me on Facebook as well. If you're a friend of Ray, you're a friend of mine. So holla at me. Awesome. Thank you again, Ooch. Um, all right, guys. Talk to you guys later. Bye.